some of the neighbors were coming down on four wheelers carrying rifles and stuff that with our two little children, I wasn't really, um, I wasn't really comfortable with. Right. And so we had to build relationship and, um, and we've learned how to, when we hear the four wheeler rumbling down, say, <laughs> God help us to come out and meet these people. Like, it, like it's you, Jesus coming down the lane. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. What up, folks? This is Leroy Barber with the Sit Up Podcast. And uh, once again, glad that y'all are here. Glad you're following along. And uh, this week, uh, and probably for the next couple of weeks, we are going to feature uh, a few interviews from the Inhabit Conference. You heard from Tim Sorens, and uh, we are we we had the opportunity to be at the conference this week, uh, and so you're going to hear from a number of people around this idea of theology of place. What does it mean uh, to find what God is doing uh, and to join what God is doing wherever you're planted? And so uh, we're gonna we're gonna explore that for the next next couple few weeks. Uh, so thanks for, thanks for following along. Uh, shout out to United Methodist Church in the Greater Northwest Area for uh, walking along and sponsoring this podcast. Uh, also shouts out to Amina Brown and Matt Owen uh, who have provided the background uh, music from uh, their EP uh, Soul Graffiti. Always a shout out to them and thankful to them for that. So let's let's throw out a few questions leading into today's interview. So what does it mean to be off the grid? You may have heard that term. You may have not. But what does it mean? Like, does that mean you don't have a cell phone? Right. Does that mean you you don't use computers or uh, you still have a landline? Like, what does off the grid mean? Right. Uh, how about the term food desert? Do you know what that is? Have you heard the the term food desert? Do you know what a food desert is? Like this idea of of uh, you are so many miles away from a uh, a food market, a market to get fresh food. Now, here's the thing. Can you be in a food desert and be on a farm? <laughs> That's going to be good for today to, to listen to. Here's a question. What about rural America? Right. A lot of talk, obviously, you know, um, in our cities around the U.S. and around the world, actually, um, urban America is growing at astronomical rates. Right. Uh, But what about rural? What about rural spaces? What about rural communities? Are there any in America? (laughs) And and who lives in rural America? Where does your food come from? Do you know? I know y'all probably laughing because that is a very Portland question (laughs) to ask. Uh, I'm not asking from that perspective, right? Uh, I go to the grocery store, but do you know where your food comes from, right? What does it mean to eat off the land? Do you eat off the land? 
Have you ever eaten off the land? Huh? Oh, this is this is going to be a really good show. Who are the members of your church? If you go to church, who are the members of your church? Who are the members of your community, right? Who's your group, right? Your posse, your boys, your sisters, right? Like who who's that who's that to you, right? Who the folks you hang around? And what is privilege? What does privilege look like? Right? Does it look different to some folks? Uh, do some folks um, not understand or know they have it? Do we all have some degree of it? What it what is privilege? And I know you're sitting there thinking, how is all this going to fit together? But uh, Tom West is uh, with us today, and uh, we are going to be interviewing him. Um, and as you know, when we're on the road, uh, our producer, uh, Andrew Morgan, uh, does our interviews. And so you'll hear him in the interview. But let's begin. Listen, and let's be clear. You only get one chance, one opportunity, one request to appear, one moment to consider what you might hold dear, a few seconds to digest what might be coming near, a quick check of which direction you may want to steer. Maybe God is pro-choice. He gave each of us a will, a mind, a voice, and whether we will make statements, speak truth, or add to the noise is up to us to take the dust we've been given. To treat our seconds like scents and watch how we spend them. To use our words like olive branches in the mouths of birds and watch where we send them. Take the negative thoughts we were taught. Take our wounded souls and hearts and let God mend them. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Welcome to the Sit Up Podcast. I am your producer, Andrew Morgan. And as you've heard Leroy Barber uh, earlier, we are here at the Inhabit Conference. And one of the things that we do, as you guys know, is we sit down with some of the most innovative people, some people who think outside the box and are always doing things just a little bit different. And today I have a gentleman that I believe is going to stretch your imagination and and allow you to really just kind of grow in thought and how you see the world. And so I want you to introduce yourself to the people. I'm Tom Wiest. I live in uh, Adams County, Ohio, a rural Appalachia part of Ohio. Um, but I've I've lived uh, in the West Coast for a number of years in Vancouver. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what what exactly what all do you do? Like, is everyone here at Inhabit kind of has some sort of neighborhood ministry or some sort of ministry that they're related to? That. Yeah. So what brought you here? Um. I moved to this place to uh, to work on the land. We moved, uh, my wife and two boys and I moved to 100 acres um, seven years ago. And we've, in that time, been building a house. It's an abandoned piece of land. The house was gone. There was uh, no place for us to live. We started off in a barn, living in a barn. Okay. Um, but over that, over that period of time, we've struggled to find uh, a parish we could be a part of. And we started to realize that our parish was really the one mile gravel road that we live at the end of. Uh, there's only four households on the whole lane. And uh, the parish also includes a lot of uh, creatures, both yeah. ones, ones that we take care of and all the wild ones as well. So so this is beautiful. I love this because you're telling me you lived. I'm going to back up to just this one point. You yeah. lived in a barn at one point. Yeah. So tell me, how did you make make the this step? 
from, you know, basically what I would say mainstream societal, you know, just you just living like everyone else. Yeah. So, you know what? I'm just going to live in a barn and and just trust God on this and just it we're going to we're going to make this happen. Right. How right. Did you get right. To well, place? yeah. So uh, some years ago, I did a lot of urban gardening up in Vancouver. And we, yeah. when we lived in Vancouver and we were growing food and we sort of outgrew the urban plot and uh, and we just felt like a desire to keep going. So we moved to one of the Gulf Islands for three years, grew a little bit more food. And from there, we really wanted to return to the U.S. We're U.S. citizens. We wanted to come back. And uh, through a lot of prayer, we, we decided we'd wait until a farm opened up or some land and just through relationship this place opened up, it didn't have a house. So it was not like we wanted to live in a barn. Yeah. Because, uh, we would have been better if there was already a sweet house there, but there wasn't. Yeah. And, and, uh, so, but it didn't, it didn't stop us. We just thought, well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to build what we want to build. Yeah. And so the second thing you had said that kind of fascinated me was like, you're so connected to the land, like so connected to this. It's more than just, I don't even want to say property. You know, right. But you're so connected to it that you're saying like a part of looking at what your parish is, is even the the inhabitants of the of the of the land. Like so right. the animals and so what kind of wildlife and, and animals are, are around your right. area? Right. It's a very diverse area. It's where the east and the west and the south and the north meet in in North America, in that part of Appalachia. So we have, uh, you know, the mammals like the beavers and deer and coyote uh there's some wild cats occasionally uh rare occasion to have a black bear um but mostly it's the smaller creatures there's a lot of migratory birds that come through um bald eagles have come back in uh, blue herons uh there's lots of frogs uh they come out in the spring they sing to us at night they sing all through the night it's really beautiful the spring peepers and the tree frogs and uh the one that it's harder for me to uh, to hold this a creature that I um, don't want to kill. It would be the insects. It's, it's rich with <laughs> insect life. Um, some are invasive, some are native. But um, yeah, it's because of the vegetation and the richness of the place, there's lots yeah. of food for insects. And that means there's lots of food for birds. Yeah. So it all works together. And so tell me a little bit about the importance of food from from a human perspective. You know, how has it been for you living off of and eating like the things that you grow? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing. Uh, we tell people we work like paupers and we eat like kings and queens. You know, yeah. we um, where we live is it's ironic that it's sort of a food desert. We live in a really rich place, but uh, I mean, in terms of the land, but. Uh, the grocery stores have all gone out of business. So most of the food is still coming from um, uh, gas station, mini marts kind of place. Um, we realized that if, if we wanted any good milk, uh, we'd have to get a cow. Right. Because the milk's coming from Texas, you know, 1,500 miles away. Yeah. Sitting on, you know, a, a uh, on a truck for, you know. Yeah, just so, it's frozen. And, yeah, yeah. We got a cow. <laughs> and, and then we learned how to milk the cow and uh, it's, 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 that's how the story is unfolding. We never thought, let's go get this farm and have a cow. Yeah. We were just there and we're like, you know, we got the grass for it to eat. The water is pure. So if the cow's here, it's going to make really good milk and good dairy. And, uh, 
So yeah, the, the food is, uh, we also eat wild food. We go out and just find it, pick it. I eat a lot. We eat a lot of wild onions and uh, wild garlic. And right now morel mushrooms are, are growing. And See, I've never heard of that. Yeah. I've never heard of wild garlic. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I assume it, it probably grows in, you probably grows in your neighborhood. Yeah, if, if I you hadn't either, you know, it, the, the, it, when you slow down and start paying attention yeah. to the world that's beyond the human world even beyond the animal world, you know, there's, there's so much. And I think that's one thing I've been thinking of over the last couple of years is I feel like I'm shedding some of my, um, human centric way of looking at the world. Um, yeah. there's a term that we use where out where I live shedding is what happens when the, the deer every winter, the bucks, they take their antlers and they push against the trees and the ground and they shed their antlers and they grew, they grow new antlers every year. Um, so it's like this shedding of, um, of a way of thinking and seeing the world and then receiving a different way. That's, that's actually really expansive. It's like, it's a breath, uh, that we're being invited into, um, because, you know, in our day and age, there's so many news, news sound bites and stories that we, that we pick up like that, that can lim- limit the way we see the world and, yeah. instead of open it up. Now, was it a process or were you kind of like born like this? It, no, I, I I wasn't born like this. It yeah. was a process. Yeah, yeah. Because um, when you talked about shedding, I, I the, the thought that kind of came to mind is like you the piece that you have. A lot of people will see it and say, hey, "I want that." Yeah, and we'll try to come after the attributes of it and just. But it's not a lifestyle that's for everyone, is it? No, no, not for everyone. But could be for a lot more people that are living. <laughs> yeah. A lot more people. Yeah. Hey, so have you ever really run across someone uh, trying to come into your community, uh, into the the space that you inhabit, your parish, and and try to change it uh, in negative ways? Has someone tried to gentrify it, or any, or have you faced any of those things yet? Right. Um, the only place I've faced that would be when we moved in. My neighbors were afraid that we were coming <laughs> to do that. So it's taken seven years to to build some trust with them. Yeah. And. Uh, and now we have a real sweet uh, love for each other. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So I want to, can you take me back to tell me a little bit more about you? So from what I hear, you're a musician. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Grew up listening to music, all kinds of music, um, have a deep appreciation for pretty much every style and um, uh, started writing music um, in the church when I was in my twenties and, uh, started writing for communities, um, parish communities. And, um, that's really been most of what I write is, is, uh, songs for people to sing that are rooted in, in scriptures and that are connecting with our story. So when I, when I write, I look for places where the story of God meets our story uh, yeah. in the particular context, a particular day and trying to bring melodies and words together that, that people can sing together and that, um, can even get lodged inside, inside of us as we go about so that they can live as a prayer, you know, in, inside of us. As far as you personally, what's the makeup of your family unit? Uh, my wife, Karen, uh, two sons, Isaiah and Arbutus. Yeah. And so what, what is, um, what's your vision for your family? Like, what's the legacy that you want to leave, uh, leave them with? I, I think I, w- I want them to, um, 
I, I want them to be present to the world and every, everything, everyone in it, and um, to be compassionate and um, to live with vigor. And uh, um, I'm trying to live that myself and trying to call them to that. Um, you know, stating it, you know, and saying it out loud, it helps encourage other people to say, hey, this is what you have to do. Mm. Because you have such a unique life that you live. But like the statement I made earlier, it's like for some people, they may try to imitate it. Mm. But you're sincerely living this. Mm. And this is who you are. And so um, I just had a feeling, I had a gut feeling that I knew that you were the type of man that's living intentionally, but not just for yourself, but for the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, you told me your story and just listening and not knowing you intimately, it sounds to me like you were able to kind of navigate in and out of some spaces with a little bit of ease. Um, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't that easy. So how do how does one go about securing, like getting land? Like you were able to get land and you kind of described you, you, you were growing when you were mm-hmm. out of the country, right. you were growing land in the... So, how did you get to to be the type of person that can stumble upon farmland? Yeah, right. I, I, it's a, even that it's a long story because uh, our time in a community up in Vancouver, we had relationships with people that uh, that knew us and trusted us. And so when it came time when the land did open, you know, the land's not very expensive where I live, but it's yeah. still more money than I had. Yeah. And not having quote real jobs that you could go to a bank and get a loan. Um, we needed to find a different way to fund it. And so we had some friends who offered to give us a loan, like a bank, okay, uh, on a low interest rate. And um, and we had saved money up over the years to try to pitch into it. Um, and we were able, able to make it happen, you know, so. So how important are relationships then? Like, uh, just because it seems like it's just the key for you. You've mentioned, you know, the relationships you've had and the trust. So right. how important is have those relationships and people trusting you? How important has it been for you? It's everything. It wouldn't ha- it wouldn't have happened without that. Yeah. So it's in a sense, it's a we're there living this story, but it's a whole community that's underneath what we're doing and and with us. Yeah. So what's what's next for you in that particular realm? Do you have a plan to? Do you look forward to doing the same thing for someone else? We would love to help people move out to either, you know, in their own region, just even be a voice or a guiding voice, um, uh, sounding board, helping people who would want to do that. Um, we also would love for people to come join us in our place. Um, and uh, we, we want to open a public space. There's a pub that was shut down, the only pub in the whole county, shut down a few years ago. And my neighbors own it. Yeah. And... uh I would love to open that back up as a gathering place for people, as a cultural um, center um, for children, you know, um, music. Yeah. Uh, we just mean, need, we need yeah. the gravity. We need like the momentum. We need other people, right? There's just four of me, four of us in our family and yeah. we can't do all that. You can't <laughs> grow all your own food, milk a cow twice a day, make cheese and butter and, you know, cook from scratch and run a pub. So I, I'm praying that, that something, you know, we figure out a way and it's going to look like working with our neighbors, you know, like finding the local people who want to be, who can share a vision like that. So one of the things that I've recently come across uh, is just discovering that rural counties are starting to suffer 
as far as uh, hospitals are being removed, grocery stores, you mentioned it yeah, earlier. Yeah. And so some of these places that you would not expect would be a food desert or with one that would right. be that's deprived of medical attention. Are, are you uh, are you in a fight against some of those things? Because you told me there is no grocery store, mm-hmm. so to speak. But where are you guys in your county with with medical care? Is there a hospital in your county? There is a hospital and uh, it's a really poor Appalachian County. It's one of the poorest counties in the state of Ohio. And so because of that, and we, we had a governor recently who really helped you know pick up the medical care and fund hospitals. So I think that's one of the important things for people that when you think about fights to join, yeah, yeah. you know, like, cause that scares me. The idea that if you're out there doing what you should do and you find out, oh, I'm allergic to this, you know, or something like right. that, yeah, that right. you have access to health care or something, right? something of that nature. Um, when it comes to just the process of, of healing and, and getting past certain like common sicknesses and things of that nature, with you being a type of person who, who does live off the land, have you found natural remedies and ways to to deal with things? Yeah, I, I think by and large we're we're healthier. There might be maybe because we're more isolated, so we're not picking up the germs that are going around as much. But but also I think just the immunity is stronger because we're because of what we eat, because of the the health of what we eat. Um, raw milk is uh, has a lot of good bacteria in it. But yeah. it's it's mostly illegal in the United States because it's not it doesn't really work in a mass um, food. Um, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that's good. That's good. I've learned a lot from talking to you because these are questions that I have that I think this is one of the reasons why we love doing this kind of interview on the Sit Up Podcast is because you're you're living life in an innovative way, mm. but you still have a a, a love for people. And so how do you mix those? You know what I'm saying? And you're teaching us a lot with these answers that you're mm-hmm. giving. So um, my final question to you is in relation to it. And it's kind of a broad question, but it's it's in relation to the idea of how do you effectively love people uh, when you are in these rural county uh, settings or, you know, kind of somewhat isolated way? How do you still love people? And, and it's not, I'm going to say in the masses, but just more mm-hmm. you know how do you love people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's been a question you know we've wondered what, uh, about for a while because uh, we did move from a city into this rural place but we uh, we need to walk the lane that's where it starts for us is walking the lane and when our neighbors are out they congregate there's no places to go there's no public places so people congregate at each other's places they'll drive their pickups down to our neighbors and hang out and so when people are hanging out, we've learned that's that's a good time to just stop and hang out there. If we're driving back to the farm and people are hanging out, uh, drinking beer or doing whatever they're doing, we often just stop the car and get out and start hanging out with them. So the the kind of the pulse of the way the community moves is really different in a rural place. Um, it's more like you know people will show up at five in the in the in the afternoon and start hanging out. Um, yeah. Or on Sundays, you know, or, and we just, we're trying to show up for those. And then when people come down the lane, trying to be hospitable to everybody who comes, you know, ask them if they want a cup of coffee or if they want a cold beer, just keep the conversation going, you know, try to welcome the neighbors, which was, I, I have to admit was difficult at the beginning because some of the neighbors were coming down on four wheelers, 
carrying rifles and stuff that with our two little children, I wasn't really, um, I wasn't really comfortable with. Right. And so we had to build relationship and, um, and we've learned how to, when we hear the four wheeler rumbling down, <laughs> say, God help us to come out and meet these people. Like, it, like it's you, Jesus coming down the lane. Man, that's powerful. So you just, you, you keep coming down that lane, huh? Yeah. Just every time. Yeah. And you're blessed because of it. Yeah. That's so great. And you, you're listening and being heard. And mm-hmm. so that's community. Mm-hmm. Man, that is beautiful. So um, is there any projects or anything that you would want to highlight or bring any attention to, you know, before we get out of here or anything you got going on? One quick story that's connected to a project. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we built a wooden boat to take down the Eucharist elements down the Ohio River, mm-hmm. and we were doing that a couple of years ago. And uh, we we noticed outside the power plant that all these fish were dying. There's a coal power plant, and that really disturbed us. And so our next trip down, we were taking food to feed people in Maysville, Kentucky, at a festival. We decided to have the Eucharist right in front of the power plant, and pour some wine into the river, pour some put some bread in the river for the healing of the waters, for the fish, even for the, for the people that worked in the plant yeah, and, and all the, the tension that it, the whole thing was in. And we had this uh, amazing Eucharist right in front of this huge power plant right on the water. And about two or three weeks later, we learned that the power company was uh, going to shut down that coal power plant. <laughs> Man. They made it public. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what happened. But the timing was just amazing that yeah. we we were led down there to have this Eucharist for the healing of the waters and for the fish and the creatures and for the air. And then and then that happened. Yeah. So a whole year later they did. They shut the plant down. It's shut down now. Man. And that's just that's healing in action. That's yeah. God still God. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Man, thank you for your obedience. Thank you mm-hmm. for everything that you're doing. And mm-hmm. thank you for joining us on the Sit Up Podcast. Mm-hmm. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I've really enjoyed being inspired by you. Thank so, you. Thank, thank you. you. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin.